Hello and welcome to an all-faith conversation. I am Connie Willems. And I'm Brock Bingaman. And we have this great holiday coming up that we rarely talk about and we wanted to talk about. And the holiday is Pentecost. Pentecost. This is oftentimes an overlooked holiday for many people. So just to give a little bit of background, I think it might help before we look at other things related to Pentecost. You know, it's interesting that we're even calling it a holiday. Yeah. Because... Primarily, the thing we think about it is, oh, it's that time back in Acts 2 when people were gathered in the upper room and they were tongues of fire and wind came. But the idea that it's a holiday gets lost. It's a Jewish holiday. Mm -hmm. So again, we have this kind of tunnel vision. We think, oh, it's the birthday of the church. The Holy Spirit comes. Awesome. But there's a long story behind it. And these original Christians who are in the upper room most of them have a Jewish background, and they're following a Jewish mm-hmm. rabbi named Jesus. And they were gathered there. This is the holiday is the Feast of Weeks. Mm-hmm. It is seven weeks after Passover, and it is a, one of the Old Testament feasts that was celebrating harvest. Mm. So the wheat harvest. So they are celebrating this seven times seven, so 49 days, and something is about to happen. And Jesus has forecasted it. He's told them that the promise of the Father is coming. So it really sets this cool scene up. Um, and just a, just a bit of connection there. We call it Pentecost because that's the Greek word for 50. P-E-N-T-E is how that word starts. Our holiday of Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. So all of this is rooted in Jewish mm-hmm. and then therefore Christian historical marker. Right. Yeah. Um, We also did a little bit of research that this holiday, this festival, commemorated a couple of things. It commemorates not only the harvest, but the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Mm. We could go down that jag pretty quickly. (laughs) But so there is something that it represents that it symbolizes the notion of harvest, Mm -hmm. not of wheat, but of people of Jewish and Gentile people, and then the revelation of God. The giving of the Word. The giving of the Word. So there's much that we oftentimes just were not aware of. So that kind of sets the stage for us a little bit on Pentecost. And so obviously God knows all this. He set up these holidays. So it's mm. not an accident that he decided on this day mm. that I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people. Yeah. And you mentioned the importance of rediscovering certain things like this, but even the rhythm of the calendar, the church calendar that oftentimes gets neglected, at least for many evangelical Protestants. There is this pulse of the story of God that pulses through the year when you follow the church calendar. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to hit Christmas and Easter, but we drop these other important things off the calendar But when you follow the whole pulse, you get God coming um, through Advent and Christmas. You get Passion Week. You get Easter with the cross, with the resurrection. Then you hit the point in time where God sent the Holy Spirit. I think we've talked about rediscovering the historical background and then rediscovering some of these other important moments on the church calendar and just the richness of that. And I think this is going on with us even talking about Pentecost. Well, what it has done for me as I have been in places where I've followed that pulse, it keeps orienting me back to a different understanding of the story of my life. 
it baptizes our time yeah. and our calendar that yeah. it's oriented around. And we have hinted at this, but the notion that Pentecost is as significant as Advent and Easter. Now, why do you say that? Well, I say that because we talked about it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we took notes. Okay, let's get a better answer. Okay, if we are truly Trinitarian people, we're about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then we view the scriptures, we view history in a Trinitarian fashion. So in that respect, the advent, the coming of Christ, the incarnation of the Word, and then the death and resurrection of Jesus at Easter, the third person of the Holy Trinity comes to us in a very significant and universalized way, poured out on all flesh. And we'll look at Acts 2, 1 to one to 10 in a little bit. So it is a Trinitarian moment. This is the third person of the Holy Trinity coming to the church in a way that is historic. Well, and more than that, I don't know if there could be more than the third person of the Trinity coming to the church, but (laughs) um, Jesus said right before his death, it is better for you if I go away. So then, if I do, the Holy Spirit can come, and that's better for you than me being here in person. Which, oh, this just can become kind of a Christian magnet verse, yes. or Christian ease, <laughs> can't it? Yeah. Really, let that sink down. It is better that the incarnate Word of God leave and go away? I, I would just probably be one of the disciples that says, wait, 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 Jesus, do you really mean that? Yeah. You are God in the flesh, and it's better that you leave? What? Yeah. So, how can it be better? You know, I was in that same place of not understanding that until, I don't know how many years ago, I actually had a dream about this, and I woke up and went, oh my goodness. Let's hear about it. Now I get it. Well, in the dream, I was around Jesus, and it was wonderful, and I wanted to be around him again, but there were so many people around, and I knew that... I either had to shove my way through the crowd to get up in front of him somewhere close by and do something dramatic to get his attention, or, and dreams are weird like this, or I would have to make an appointment with him for three or four weeks down the road and maybe get an hour with him. Office hours with Jesus. (laughs) Office hours, sign up for an appointment with with Jesus. Meet with a rabbi. But seriously, those were my only options, was somehow be dramatic and aggressive enough Mm -hmm to claim his attention right now and shove my way in front of people or just wait for a few minutes with him and then maybe that was all I was ever going to get. And I woke up and I thought, yeah, of course it's better. Jesus was one man and you maybe only in a lifetime got 15 minutes with him. But because the Holy Spirit is here, I have access to Jesus through the revelation of the Spirit 24-7. I never have to wait, Mm. and I never have to shove in front of anyone. Mm. The Spirit of Jesus himself resides in you as a Christian, your helper, your advocate, but the very presence of Jesus indwelling you, individually and collectively. So we are the temple of the living God. Yeah, and I'm not taking anything away from you when I spend time with Jesus, Mm. because he has all the time through the Holy Spirit for me, and for you, Hmm. and for the other millions of people. Hmm. So it is better 
that I go away so I can send the promise of the Father. And what we're hoping that you'll do as well as we talk about this is you'll read Acts 1 and 2, especially with fresh eyes, and picture the upper room and imagine what that would what that would be like and Jesus promising the the presence of the spirit to come upon you and for you to be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth read the text prayerfully and to go back and look at Acts 1 and 2 and ask the Lord to talk to you what are you hoping will happen when we go back and read well i think part of this along with rediscovery but the invitation is to experience ongoing pentecost this isn't a one-time historical event, and we look back on it and say, oh, wow, I sure am glad that happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, and from the youngest to the oldest, the slave, the free, women and men, all of us, wow, that sure was a great thing. We want to remember the past so that it crops up again in our contemporary experience. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ as Savior at salvation. Mm -hmm. There's this sense in which that we're asking, please, Holy Spirit, come, mm. be present, fill us. Do it again. Do it again. Mm. We leak. Mm. So there's something humorous about being human. Yeah. A human filled with the Holy Spirit where jars of clay, and there is a sense where in giving to others our own brokenness, we want to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. And we're not making any kind of theological statement other than, we need more of God. We want more of God's presence in our lives. And we need to be refilled. And we find evidence for that in the book of Acts. You see the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles, the disciples, the church over and over again. And empowering them for worship and mission. And the Apostle Paul tells us to be filled with the Spirit, which is a continual filling. It's interesting that mm. just last night and this morning I have had... Mm. Not a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit, perhaps, but a fresh experience of coming to the end of my resources and being in a place of weakness. Mm. I've had this keen awareness that I don't have what it takes to navigate life. And when I'm feeling super self-reliant, I don't have much of a desire to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit because it sounds like, well, that'd be nice, but I can do okay without it. Mm. But in a place of ordinary weakness, and it's not any traumatic experience, it's just the wear of life has caught up with me. And I'm thinking, why, if the resources and power and encouragement and hope and help and comfort and advocacy and counsel of God himself is available to me, why wouldn't I invite that? Often. <laughs> Often. Often. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So what you're talking about is that there's an awareness of our need for this, and you called it a posture. And so we're looking at Pentecost is not something theoretical, but something immensely practical and mm. useful, the idea of the inf ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, friendship, communion. We need the Holy Spirit. I need more than my own resources. I need something outside of myself. And it's not just, ooh, I have a need, therefore let me make God or the Holy Spirit my assistance to help, assistant to help me. Yeah. It is, I, I want to join into God's life that he's making available. 
if all we have are our own thoughts and perspectives and experiences and resources, we are, to borrow the Apostle Paul's words, of all people to be most pitied. Because the part, I mean, the U.S. culture would not say this is true, but we don't bring a whole lot to the table as much as we might think we do. And so if this life with God is never experienced in some practical way that shifts us through encouragement or hope or encounter or comfort or counsel or a miracle, then what are we doing? Pretending, playing. (laughs) So I think what we're seeing is rediscovering, being invited into ongoing Pentecost is we're weak. I'm weak. And I'm learning to be more and more comfortable with that the older I am. I'm limited. I'm broken. And so I need Pentecost. I need the Holy Spirit. And being comfortable with that. Mm. I'm not omnicompetent. And I'm, I'm going to have really bad days. Have some good days. Have some bad days. But I, I need Pentecost. It's almost like we need Pentecost in order to function because we are weak. But then there's this bigger, grander layer as well that we get invited into when we, oh goodness, I'm going to open a can of worms here, but I'm going to open it anyway. I may close it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's this idea that we are not merely human. We're body, soul, and spirit. We've talked with all saints about our journey together as far as the All Saints courses will be missional, mm-hmm. they'll be communal, but we've also used the word mystical. Yeah. That there is a connection to something that is grander and outside of ourselves, and we were created for that. I mean, that's, I just want to say, bring it. <laughs> I don't really have anything. I, I think what's coming to mind is I would like to read a little bit of the text mm. with that in mind, what you just said right there. I think it's important to read and see the church then and now being invited into that bigger picture. So Acts 2, 1 through, we'll see. Okay. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue of fire rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And then it goes on to say that there were Jews and Gentiles gathered from various places, various countries in Jerusalem for this festival. And so you had people gathered together from all these various countries, kind of forecasting where the gospel would go. And then Peter stands up and begins to explain to the people what's going on. And it was such a joy-filled, noticeable event that people thought they were drunk. So something really dramatic was happening. Yeah, yeah, right there in the city. Can you imagine? This is like an overturning of what we would think of dignified normal life. Mm. If somebody thinks you're drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's laughter. There's joy. And then the Apostle Peter stands up, raises his his voice, addresses them and says, People of Judea, all who live in Jerusalem... Let it be known to you and listen to what I say. And then he explains, and he says, 
at verse 17, in the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He's reading from the prophet Joel. He's preaching from the prophet Joel. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And he talks about signs in the heavens. And then he goes on to proclaim profound things about the life, the ministry, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. So this is Pentecost. Wait, what are you struck by as you heard yourself read that? What's something you're struck by? I've heard this passage many times of the fire appearing, like looking like tongues of fire, and then a tongue rested on each one. There were maybe a hundred some people in that room. Nobody was left out. Mm. There's a group experience, but it's also very personal and individual. Everybody got mm. a piece of it, a piece yeah. of fire. That's and right. there's just this deep generosity with mm. it. And that's the heart of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you look at the first verses here, it's all together, entire house, the Spirit resting on each of them, all of them. So the word all, as you're saying over and over again. I think something else that strikes me is the Old Testament references here. Mm. So behind this is the life of the temple. Prior to this, the temple was the place where the presence of God, the Shekinah or Shekinah glory would come. And usually it was the priest yeah. who was officiating yeah. things and the divine presence would come in at times so strong yeah. that it would lay people out. And there's an illusion there that now the people of God are the temple, are the temple. of God. The Spirit's not just on Moses or on the priest, but the Spirit's resting on Mary and the rest of them, all of them. Yeah. Ah, there's something beautiful about that. I once was mm. struck about how you see God creating his creation. Mm. And then he, through Moses, and as he's giving the instructions for the tabernacle, it's a place for his presence and his glory to dwell. So he gets even closer to his people. Mm-hmm. And then they build the temple, which is a permanent residence for the glory of God. And so God dwells with his people in his temple. I almost got this sense again and again of God wanting to get ever closer. Mm-hmm. You hit John 1. In the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Tabernacled among us. Tabernacled or templed mm-hmm. among us. So we have not mm-hmm. just a building now, but... God himself tabernacled. And then we get Pentecost. And it's not just among us, it's in and among us. It can't get any closer than that. And again, no one's left out. Mm. So this is a an inversion, really, of Jewish and Greco-Roman social hierarchy. It's a democratizing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The youngest to the oldest, the slaves the free women, men. I mean, when the Spirit comes, it inverts all of these hierarchies and strata and things that we we create. The Holy Spirit comes upon all who are made in the image of God, Genesis 1. Each one. Each one of us. There's a democratizing of it, and there's a a lifting up. This indwelling thing, if it's real, if it's real that you and I here in this room are with the Holy Spirit then that is explosive. It's explosive. And we're connected to the body of Christ. Not just here at Our Lord's, not just in the region, but the body of Christ all over the planet and through time. and all. What's interesting, though, is it moves from the upper room into the city center and then, like, wildfire spreads. So those tongues of fire mm. that are on each person now 
are disseminated through the Roman Empire and Asia Minor, all through, I think, an important part of revisiting, rediscovering Pentecost, inviting it, is to see its intrinsically connection, connected to mission. So to get filled with the Holy Spirit means you better get ready because the Holy Spirit's going to take you on mission with Jesus. And that's, if you look at the 28 chapters in Acts, that w- that's what you see over and over again, is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, fills someone, a group of people, they turn around and declare the mighty deeds of God. They do the works of Jesus. They're casting demons out of people. They're healing people. They're having dreams about reaching people. They become obsessed with reaching the world with the love of God. So when we invite Pentecost, are you saying then that I'm inviting the works of Jesus and the mission of Jesus into my daily existence? Yes, you're asking for that to be activated, yes, and to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, frankly, when I read this and I talk about it, uh, I get a little nervous. Well, yeah. I'm getting, I'm going to get drawn out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Frankly, the first thing that went into my mind was, I think I'm busy enough (laughs) without the works of Jesus and the mission of Jesus exploding in my life. And then I stop and recognize what I just said and think, okay, that was viewing my life from a merely human standpoint. I hear you. And oftentimes we get caught up in the busyness and all. But Jesus, we want to join you in your mission. Mm. And the beauty of Pentecost is it applies whether someone's a school teacher. Invite Pentecost into your life, into your classroom. Or you're a stay-at-home mom or dad. Invite Pentecost into that context. You're a business person. You're a lawyer. You're filling the what You have a landscaping business. Invite Pentecost into your sphere, into your world. And that's one prayer I think Jesus is ready to answer mm. quickly. Yeah. You're on mission in this context So let me join with you. It's interesting. If you trace throughout Acts, you have this explosive movement of the Holy Spirit. Some people like Paul and Barnabas were on these extensive journeys. Other people like Philip stayed in one place and raised a family. Mm. Powerful family, but he stayed in one place and raised a family over time. Mm. And so you see different people giving, being given different missions and assignments. Mm. That's right. His daughters, right? He He had had four daughters who prophesied, which means... He raised a family and raised up a collection of young women who followed in his footsteps. So it's a really different assignment from Paul and Barnabas, but it's good. Pentecost. Mm, So the beauty of the narrative is that we've got this in chapter 2, and then as the story unfolds, you get to see the, the threads of this being woven through individuals and groups of people. It's a beautiful thing. So Pentecost is, I want to say Pentecost is, is very practical. A theology of Pentecost, a rediscovery of this is is practical. I, I just feel like we should pray and invite Pentecost. Why don't you start? Jesus, we would ask that you would pour out your spirit on us. And we know you have done that. So I guess I'm really asking that you would draw me into an ever greater filling of the Holy Spirit, dependency on the Holy Spirit, dwelling with the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Spirit's activity and presence and work in me and in us. 
I say that word surrender and I recognize that's a big part of it for me is just surrendering my life and my view of life to yours, to your mission, to your presence, to your resources and not mine. I agree, Lord. I just acknowledge that I am weak and Holy Spirit, you're strong. And I just am reminded of one eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Lord, we need to receive your power afresh, and we want to be your witnesses, Lord. Lord, we ask for ongoing Pentecost and for practices that help sustain the power of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Lord, give yeah. us a, a holy desperation mm-hmm. and a sense of our weakness and desperation for the power of your presence at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another all Saints Conversation, and if you're interested in learning more about All Saints, you can visit our website at allsaints.center. We really enjoy talking with you. Thank you.